Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 250 this week on the podcast. We have Jason and Roz Ackerman. So Claire and I interviewed them together. They are the founders of Own Your Eating. Jason has a long history with CrossFit, though, and he's been with... He's, I would consider him with the CrossFit van, would you not? <laughs> I agree. He's, been, he's dabbled. He, he's dabbled. He's judged at the CrossFit Games. He's a CrossFit level four staff. He uh, owns, he's the CEO and founder of CrossFit Soulshine. He's a former founder of, of Albany CrossFit. So we had a great conversation with these two. We covered everything, including macaroni pizza. Who knew? It's true. And including macros and mac. Macro, yeah, we had a good conversation about macros again. And so um, the both of them, their collective knowledge is just really uh, valuable and all the experience they have just as athletes and as people and um, being owning a business together and working and um, trying to balance that relationship as well. So we hope you love this episode. And this is Jason and Roz Ackerman. Well, (laughs) you just teed it right up. Now we have to ask about his beard and we're going to just get started right here. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Hi, Jason. <laughs> tell us about your beard. <laughs> There's not much to tell. Roz is making me grow it. So <laughs> being a good husband, and, you know, I look at it this way, whether I like it or not, Roz, you know, allows me to do things with her that <laughs> not all women allow, right? And now that I'm married to her, I have to you know look a certain way so I'm I'm okay with it I oh think my gosh I once so expressed the desire that I had you know like bearded men I don't know when this was but anyway it obviously planted a seed in his mind and he has been growing his beard since just before the wedding and it's now a daily topic of conversation <laughs> well so I'm not sure whether I'm happy that I planted that seed or not but <laughs> It's entertaining. You know, after meeting Tate Fletcher at the games, I realized how much product there is out there for beards. Yeah, there really is. And it's. We had like a full discussion because I don't know if you've ever met met Tate Fletcher in person, but he smells delicious. And I was like, what do you. Yeah. And he doesn't look like he would. No. Like, and he's like, oh, it's beard oil. Yeah, and I was like, so, what do you put? Yeah, so tell, we had this tell whole. Tell us about your beard product. Yeah, do you have a do you have a routine? Do you have products like Tate? Well, it certainly added to my. I'm already somewhat into grooming, and <laughs> this has added a lot more time. But I just I shop on Amazon. I look for some cool products, and some people at the gym have been nice enough to when they come across products, get them for me. So I've, <laughs> I've grown a little. I spend more time on my beard than yeah anything else i'm very impressed because i didn't realize how much work it took until i like started talking to some friends who have like really well-kept beards i'm like that's actually a lot of work (laughs) i learned about it on um the new queer eye oh yeah (laughs) how much beard maintenance there is (laughs) oh i loved i loved the new episodes of queer eye i loved the original ones like a decade ago yep and when i when that came on i just binge watched them i was in i was in i think norway i watched all 10 episodes i couldn't sleep i was jet lagged and i came home and i told Roz about them and then she started watching them and i basically watched them again but yeah. you can learn a lot from queer eye you yeah. totally can no, they're I'm, wonderful what was that oh i just said you totally can they're so wonderful um they are they're really awesome guys i i really enjoyed that show too and actually now that jason is taking a little more kind of pride and attention to his personal care routine I found myself doing the same thing I'm like okay maybe I need to manicure my eyebrows a little bit better and <laughs> I've let things slip a little bit so 
It's a little good. I made Brandon, my husband Brandon, watch the part where um, Tan describes uh, like how he always dresses up for his husband and like, you know, that's what you, and 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 uh, now he's started getting a little bit more dressed up around the house because typically he like, you know, his socks have holes in them. His T-shirts are covered in food from like the moment he wakes up. And I oh made God. him watch that part. And he's like, OK, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> Well, yeah. what do you, where do that, you guys stand on that? Episode, <laughs> yeah. Like, where do you guys stand on that? Because as a married couple, like Claire and I always talk about marriage hacks and how you kind of have to keep your relationship going and you kind of have to, and then it's way harder than it's everybody. So it's so hard. And, but like not oh. in the ways that you expect it to be. It's not like you're, you know, constantly worried about cheating or that kind of thing. It's more like, wow, I can't be around you all the time. Like, and well, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I really need to go have a mood without right. you there. <laughs> That's so funny because we're definitely learning all of that. You know, we, we're recently married. We got married in November. Six months. Yeah. So okay. there's still a lot that we're learning about things like that. And there's definitely, you know, I need my alone time and my space and Jason's learning when that happens, you know, what kind of mood I'm in and he's kind of getting uh clued up on that a little bit better and yeah it's it, it is a lot of work but you're right in a completely different way to what I think most people imagine and expect but you just you wind up learning so much about the other person and of course then about yourself like it really challenges you to just Ugh, yes take a step back and look at yourself as well and it's hard <laughs> relationships are one big mirror one big giant yes. mirror and no one wants to look at themselves in the mirror. And then they're like, ah. it's, like it's like a, like a really intensely lit mirror too. You know, it's like when you go into like some of those, it's the one that you use to pluck your eyebrows or it's like the one oh, that you go into yeah. that's like lit from overhead yeah. in like the really fancy boutiques and you're like, ah, yeah. Or like the, t- like in the Tiffany store with yes. the, yeah, with all the diamonds are twinkling. Those are the kind of lights that are on your relationship. It just makes you look like you like are, but you're not sparkly and twinkling. No. Yeah. absolutely one and one thing you have to factor into our marriage is we work together all day long yeah god bless us (laughs) so there's no escaping it yeah i was actually listening to one of your podcasts the other day when joy i think you were talking about how when you come home you like just need that 10 minutes of locking yourself away because totally your husband's like being at home all day and just wants to talk at you and it's funny i used to have that with jay like early on in our relationship he would get up super early and have his client and um, like get a whole bunch of emails done. And then I would wake up and come out. And the first thing he would do is just like talk at me for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, no, I can't have I this can't. thing in the morning. I just can't. <laughs> so it's, yeah, learning all that kind of stuff is, it's coming with time. It's so time. key and humor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jay has plenty of that for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say really quickly to uh, Jason, do you like Jay? I heard Roz call you Jay. Is that like a pet name and you're like, no, you're not my wife. Are you Jason to us? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I get asked that often. I really, I don't even think about it. Okay, great. Either one. We'll just, we'll just roll with that. So one of our dear friends uh, Laura Ligos, who is a dietitian, and she uh, apparently worked with you. In, I think it was her. Well, she said that she knows you. Do you know her? Laura was a member of Albany CrossFit, which yes. was the first CrossFit affiliate I owned. Yes. And so she goes, she wrote me a note today. She goes, make sure you ask him who his favorite dietitian is. 
Well, oh, she's great. No, but I don't she know many. Yeah, she. She did ask to. Um, she had a couple good questions that I'll lead off with, just because we love her too. Uh, who in the CrossFit community inspires the both of you right now? Ooh, that's, oh, a, that's such a good. I wasn't question. expecting those types of questions. Yeah, uh, and on the spot. You know what? I, I it's interesting because um, I think Jay and I are just often inspired by the people we work with and the people we're most in, in touch with. So I think it's really, um, you know, the people in our box who we, you know, when we see themselves pushing themselves and doing a great job, like those are the people that inspire me. Particularly for me, I think it's the women when they don't believe they were capable of something and then seeing them actually outperform themselves. I just, that inspires me and motivates me every day when I see things like that happening. Mm. What about you, Jane? And, and, you know, I, I would piggyback off Roz's answer I'm not that I'm not super inspired by CrossFit athletes I remember maybe 10 years ago talking to coach Glassman and he said I wouldn't cross the street to watch a two-minute Fran but I'd do anything to watch someone's first pull-up and Mm -hmm. you know I think at this point I love you know I watched all the behind the scenes I watched the new movie and it's really awesome to see these feats of fitness but like Roz said, watching people change their lives is far more interesting and important for me at this point. Have you guys seen all of the episodes of the like mini series that are on Amazon? Oh no! I Which one? Know. There's a bunch of them. There's like a this like is like the, a secret thing that not a lot of people know about. So Did Savon yeah, do like, all these? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably Savon. Yeah, I have no idea. But it's like they're you know it's called like CrossFit saved my life. Oh, no, I don't think No, I gotta, we have Amazon Prime, too. We got to check that out. Yeah, so one day, so I have, like, Fire TV, and so one day I was sitting, uh, it was in the middle of the open. I was like, oh, I, I want to watch last year's CrossFit documentary before the new one comes out. So the, like, little remote control that comes with your Fire TV has a little button you can push. To, it's like a little Alexa. So I just said CrossFit, thinking that the only things that would come up would be those documentaries. The documentaries. And lo and behold, like... 10 or 12 episodes of this little mini series called CrossFit Saved My Life. And they're short. They're like maybe 10 to 30 minutes long. But they are so cool. And you just sit there and you're like, this is way better. To, like, I would much rather watch these types of stories. You know, and it's people who were on organ transplant lists and were taken off the organ transplant list because of CrossFit or people, you know, who cure their diabetes or, you know, those types of stories. And they're just, they're awesome. Highly wow. recommend. Well, awesome. once I finish binge watching Glow on Netflix, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a great show! That's a great show. I just started. I just started it while I was away this weekend, and unbeknownst to Ra, so I was in bed, and she's like, "All she catches is women wrestling." Yeah, and she's like, "What are you sh- watching? Is this a show or some wrestling thing?" Oh, it's so I remember great. Glow back in the day. That's Do you really? Oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, they used to. I mean, I used to be more into like the WWF wrestling, but I remember Glow would come on, and when you're a kid, you're just like, "Cool, it's wrestling. I'll watch it." Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fun to see that reminisce. So, how do you guys feel about? I mean, because Jason, you've been in, you've owned affiliates, you've been through a lot with CrossFit, and you've seen it evolve. Like, where do you guys see it going in the next ten years? Like, do you feel like it's going to stay the same? Do you think it's going to plateau? I don't think. It'll plateau. I think I don't think it'll stay the same either. I think CrossFit is doing a phenomenal job making a push towards health. And I think there was a period of time where people got really wrapped up in the competitive side of CrossFit, you know, probably around 2010, 
11, 12, where the games took off and Rich was winning, and everyone thought they were going to go to the games. And there's still that contingency of people out there that train too much, but the average person is now realizing doing CrossFit and eating right can save my life, and CrossFit is in the forefront and doing a good job really making sure that boxes are spreading the word and then they're doing a good job getting that out to all the media outlets. So I think it'll continue to grow. I think, you know, there's probably about 14,000 affiliates. I don't know that that number will continue to grow at this rate, especially in the States. I think in the States, it's going to stay somewhat stagnant, but worldwide, we're seeing boxes in Brazil and all over the world really start to take off just like back in the day here. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think back to when I started CrossFit, like the only box around my neighborhood was like when I was training for a marathon. And I was like, oh, there's a CrossFit box there. And now there's like it's like 20 the, the in a one mile race. CrossFit boxes in Starbucks locations. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I think the number of boxes may not go up. I think the, the best boxes will stay open and those boxes will continue to grow. So more people will start doing CrossFit. It's just that there may not be quite the growth in affiliates in in the United States at least. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a good thing because I think the growth has given that option for everyone to find a community that fits them best. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to be a part of a community in a box that, that they really enjoy being at because, you know, there may be some boxes where they're a little more competitive and that's too much for some people. And, you know, there's some other boxes who have those beers on a Friday night and everyone hangs out at the end. Um, so I think it's it's cool that there is a lot of options available for people. The thing that we always say to people, if they say like, oh, I you know I checked out the, the gym nearest my house and I didn't really like it. And I always tell people like, if you went to go get a haircut and you didn't like your hairdresser, you wouldn't say like, that's it. I'm never getting a haircut again. You just go <laughs> find a new hairstylist. Like it's the same kind of thing. There's just different personalities out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I think it's, one of the best businesses you can be involved in because you can truly control your own destiny. And if you want to have a 50 person box where everyone knows each other and like Ross says, they drink on Friday nights, you can do that. And if you want to have an ultra competitive box, you can do that as well. And the the cool thing is if you do a good job, people will come. Yeah. Where internationally are you most excited to see CrossFit taken off? I think it's really cool just to see the growth everywhere. It's growing primarily in Asia. Not that I'm excited to see that, but um, I think that's where it's growing the most. I've recently been to Europe a few times for level one seminars. So I enjoy seeing that growth because it's really fun to see people that are kind of where you were five, six, seven years ago, like just enamored with CrossFit and all in. So it's it's fun to see that because it allows me to go there and, and travel and see that area. And the cool thing about it, wherever I've been in the world teaching CrossFit, is people are the same, and we have this common language. Totally. So I want to take a little bit of a right turn because I heard you talking on, and this will segue into your into own your eating, because I think it's related. But Jason, you have a master's degree in, in psychology. I, I do. Yes, I do. We have something in common. Yeah, I was like, hmm. So I. I love that you have that for the reason of when you're, in my very biased opinion, <laughs> when you're dealing with people and nutrition, it is so emotionally attached. So can we start talking about that a little bit and kind of give us a first rundown of how you started Own Your Eating and why? And then 
I kind of want to two-part it into the emotional piece of, especially for females. Well, as we've kind of talked about, I've been involved in CrossFit since 2007. I opened my first affiliate. And prior to that, I mean, the only jobs I've ever had are in the fitness industry from the time I was, I think maybe I was a paper boy before that. But, you know, when I was about <laughs> 15, I was lucky enough to be able to intern while in high school in a program. And I chose to do it at the gym. And that was basically, you know, my career path path was made for me, you know, and then I went to college and graduated with a psych degree. And as you know, you can't really do anything with a psych degree. So (laughs) it was like, all right, I guess I have to continue to go to school. So I get my master's a few years later. And all the while with the anticipation of going into that field, be it a therapist or teacher or something along those lines, but I just never wanted to leave fitness. And I realized you know, fitness was very much related to psychology. And I think that's the best thing I can be doing for people is helping them with their relationship, whether it's in the gym or outside of the gym with food. And it's obviously, as as you, as you know, and we all have realized, our relationships with food can be super detrimental to the rest of our lives. So, and I always say to people who are trainers or work with people, uh, even like hairdressers, but like there's so many people that are in this role that you're kind of emotionally responsible for. Um, And I think you have to be very careful when you're um, in a setting like a gym, like everything that kind of brings out people's strong emotions, um, especially with food or especially with working out. I think people are, yeah, like feeling really vulnerable, but people just have this tendency to just kind of like unload. Um, so I, I love that you have that background because I feel like it just, not that everyone needs that kind of education, but I feel like, especially when you're, uh, walking into the realm of fitness and nutrition, um, especially these days, I think it just opens up a lot for people and they don't know what to do with it. And then they're kind of left raw, like, okay, I have this information, but now I'm kind of left to my own devices and I don't know how to manage that. Well, for, for us, you know, especially in the CrossFit world, I tell most box owners and most coaches, like, look, you have as much education as we do with nutrition. Obviously, we have a ton of experience, but it's not about just educating the people. That's like showing someone with a piece of PVC, here's a snatch, now go do it for the rest of your life. That's not enough to get them to do it long-term and successfully. I think Jason is very um, modest and and probably because he never, obviously he's talking, but I'm the one that that has the privilege and and get to to see him when he's speaking publicly often. But he has a really great way of disarming what can be very emotionally involved um, conversations and situations and just talking to people in a very real and human way that that is super relatable and and just kind of injects a little bit of humor into it and makes people feel like they are understood so i'm and i you know i don't know whether that's something that he developed through his psych degree or he's just was naturally born with it (laughs) but he has a great way of of reading people and 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 disarming situations i think that can can be very emotionally difficult to to talk about yeah but I think that's something that sets you apart and something that makes you, I'm guessing, um, I haven't worked with you as a coach, but I'm guessing that what makes you a really good coach and um, what makes you stand out, uh, and I think a lot of coaches, there's a lot of like pretty decent coaches out there, but 
I think what makes you stand out is that relational piece and that ability to talk to someone and really connect with someone. Absolutely. The connection is key. And, and I, I'm sure you know, our studies, our, our own relationships with food, our own experiences has all played a part in developing us into each, you know, how we are uh, individually as coaches. But um, I'm sure this the psychology part of it has, has developed Jay in a very empathetic way. And Well, and I think to... Not to downplay that, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, <laughs> Ten your compliment, but <laughs> I also think Roz and I are real people, and my history with food is complicated. So there's a lot of empathy that goes along with it. You know, it's like anything. I think even coaching movement. If you understand movement and you can do it really well, your first time, these phenomenal athletes oftentimes are not the best coaches because they don't understand the struggle of it. And whether it comes to CrossFit or nutrition, I had to struggle through all of it. So I can understand where that's coming from. I had a friend reach out to me today. And she's like, I know you probably don't get it, but you know, I have a disordered view of myself in the mirror and I've dealt with this and that. I was like, no, I totally get it because I've been there. And it's even to this day a daily struggle, but it's something that we just always have to be moving forward with. I um, I can totally relate to that. I've been I currently coach at a, a nearby gym, and I was actually just talking about today of like it's actually really benefits me to be a scaled athlete as a coach, even though sometimes I can feel like you know a, l- a little bit of that imposter syndrome around. Well, I can't demo bar muscle ups or whatever, but I am a much better resource for athletes who need to be able to scale things because I've been there, and I'm a much better resource for folks who you know, you can just see them struggling with that mindset piece because it's like, I've been there. I know what it's like to feel like the weakest person in the gym. And I think that that's super valuable. And um, can you, would you mind just going a little bit more into that backstory around the the struggles that you faced and the process that you went through, not necessarily to overcome because I know, you know, for everybody, it's always a daily thing that you are dealing with. And I think that that's another important point is like, it never goes away. But can you talk a little bit about where you started and how you got to where you are now? Sure. I mean, even to this day, the scale is a nemesis of mine. And it probably or definitely started from when I was a kid and I started wrestling. I walked into my very first high school class and it was earth science. And the teacher basically looked me up and down and said, I need you to join the wrestling team. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't because I was big and muscular was because I was tiny and at the time I was I was small but I was you know what I would refer to as husky you know I was I was, <laughs> I was like a hundred pounds which sounds tiny but I'm four eight or four nine it's it's a little chubby and you know he saw in me that I could probably weigh 91 pounds which was the lightest weight class on the team and you know through a few months of of practice before the first match I did get there and, and got there comfortably and, and weighed, I think, 88 pounds for the rest of the year. But that was just the beginning of it. And then for the next three years of my life, it was a struggle to try to make that weight class. And, you know, I didn't know any better. My parents, I don't know that they didn't know any better or just didn't realize what was going on. And my coach, I think, was was trying to do his best. But I don't think he developed so much of his of a disorder. I never binged. I never, you know, got that extreme, but there were periods of time where I just, you wouldn't eat. 
I don't know how familiar you are with weight cutting, but it's... Oh, yeah. I remember a guy in my class in high school who was a wrestler. And as you're describing this, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I remember he would sit in a plastic suit and he would spit in a cup the entire class because he he had to make weight. Yep, that was... I was allowed to do that in class because my teacher was my coach. And, you know, it's... My my mother used to joke around that I had a little bit of anorexia, and I was like, "Mom, I wasn't anorexic. I really, really wanted to eat. I couldn't because I needed to make the weight. But it turned into this relationship with food, where it was this reward. You make weight, yeah. And you know, we'd go out to eat big dinners, and you would just eat as much as you can. And it wasn't as if we were choosing healthy foods. We were kids. You know, we would go buy a bag of Skittles. Yeah. And, you know, after not eating for two days, you're eating a bag of sugar. You know, and then beyond that, I got into bodybuilding. So it kind of developed a different messed up relationship with food where you're taught, hey, you can eat protein, but you can't eat carbs and you have to eat fat free. So anything that was fat free in my eyes was healthy. Yeah, it didn't count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time, there were these cookies. I don't know if they make snack wells anymore. Oh, my God. I totally, oh, remember, I totally snack wells. remember snack wells. <laughs> I would eat an entire box of snack wells thinking I was making a healthy choice. Yeah, I did too. And, and you know, my mom was on board with it. You know, she's like, yeah, that's, those They're are totally good fat free. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there was that huge craze in the 90s of fat free. And, you know, through college, just same mentality and, after that, it wasn't until CrossFit that I really started to learn what healthy choices were. But even with that, when I was paleo, I tell people paleo is really what you make of it. I remember considering myself paleo eating chicken wings three nights a week or dark chocolate because it's good for you or shots of tequila. <laughs> it sounds delicious. Yeah. yeah. So it's I, like. I remember eating bacon dipped in guacamole and being like, what? It's paleo. <laughs> <laughs> Like, never mind, yeah, this is like 6,000 calories per serving. It's totally paleo. <laughs> Anything under the paleo treat umbrella is probably not actually paleo. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, and that was actually when I was my heaviest in my life. I was, you know, I'm 5'3", and I think I was about 170 pounds eating in ways that I thought were healthy. And whenever I would have a bad day or think about losing weight, it would always the first thought in my mind would always be like, okay, you need to cut out carbs. You need to not eat for a couple of days. So, and, and I tell people all the time that emotion is still there. If I have a bad night of eating, even to this day, when I wake up, I'm like, okay, let's not eat today. You know, and I quickly, those feelings and, and thoughts vanquish relatively quickly, but they will always be there. Oh, yeah. I think that's what, there's a big misunderstanding. Uh, as humans, we cannot get rid of that we just can't it's it's ego it's the critic it's the voice that will always be in your head um and when it starts at that young age it's it's we have to understand that's going to be a piece of us forever and ever it's not going to be as loud but it's something that's always going to come up and then you can go oh wait a minute that's that thing that i used to do yeah i mean i think that's the best way you can put it it's not going to be as loud there's still that whisper you know it was maybe two weekends ago i was working a seminar and we went out for a meal and I overdid it and I was like all right as I'm laying in bed feeling guilty I'm like tomorrow you're gonna wake up early you're gonna get on the treadmill like that's what goes through my mind yeah and, you know and I'm like all right you know that lasted 
30 seconds and I'm like, no, tomorrow you're going to get back on track with what you know works. Yeah. But, but that first reaction is still there. The first reaction is always, and Claire and I have said this so many times, is food and exercise is not a transactional relationship because you need food to survive. So you can't just un- quote unquote undo whatever quote unquote damage you feel like you've done to your body. Um, by just putting food in it and then saying, well, I'm just going to make up for it by torturing it through exercise. It's a horrible relationship. Mm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And that's, I think for women particularly is a a hard um, mindset to overcome. And that's definitely something that I kind of grew up with. And, you know, much like Jason thinks about, okay, I'm going to not eat for a day or whatever. My first thought is I've got to go out and run five miles. So there's there's always going to be that piece of me that I have to try to quiet down, you know? Well, Roz, I want to hear from you a little bit, too, of your background of um, kind of expand on what you just mentioned as far as growing up. Um, so just talk a little bit about your background and um, growing up and your views around nutrition and exercise. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I have, a, I have experienced a lot of um, what a lot of other girls out there probably experienced, you know, when um, I went through puberty is really when I started putting on weight and I think hormones just really ran amok on my body and I was tired and cranky and I didn't want to exercise anymore and I, you know, I ate junk but I couldn't get away with it anymore. So um, I put on a lot of weight and, you know, similar to, to Jay, I'm a small person, I'm 5'1", and it it was very obvious and, you know, I, I, I had difficulty going out clothes shopping with my sisters and my mom and, and you know, emotionally it was really tough going through that those teenage years and then I got to college and kind of got a little bit better even despite being at college (laughs) with my uh with my health you know I was playing squash and um being a little more active and so I was able to kind of stabilize my weight but I started to develop that belief that okay now you know food and exercise and weight are all related in some way and and I started to believe that in order to keep weight off or lose weight, I had to exercise. And so I just kind of developed this over the years. And uh, I think after leaving college and not playing sports so much anymore, that's when I got into running. And then that's just when that belief became even more extreme. Um, so I would just sign myself up for all sorts of running races all the time to make sure that I was always motivated and always working towards something. Because as soon as I didn't have a race to work towards, I didn't have that motivation or that, you know, that thing holding me accountable anymore. Um, so, yeah, for a, a number of years, I, I had this uh, just really warped relationship about my nutrition and and exercise. And it was sad because I had always enjoyed being an active person. Um, I had grown up, you know, as a kid doing a lot of sports and I had just started to kind of resent exercise in a way. Um and I also wasn't looking the way that I wanted to. So there was there was like this double-edged sword, you know, I was thinking that I was putting all this or putting in all this work and it was hard work and I wasn't really getting the rewards that I wanted. Um, so it was just, it was just really sad and miserable. And I was like, there's got to be a solution to this. This can't be what everybody else is doing. And eventually, luckily, after some time, uh, you know, I started paleo as well and that that wasn't 100% successful for me either. But that's when I then came across Jason and uh, flexible eating and what he does. And it, you know, it really did change my life. What do you what do you talk about when you 
when you reference the results you were, you didn't, you weren't happy with the results you were getting? Like, what were you looking for? So I lost a lot. I was able to lose a lot of weight whilst I was running, but I was really in an extreme deficit, I would say. And consequently, I was still kind of, I guess people would call it skinny fat in a way. You know, I had I had some muscles some in some places, but not a lot. And and I really just didn't, I, I hate the word toned, but I didn't look muscular or fit. Like mm-hmm. I didn't look healthy and I didn't have abs and, and that kind of thing. You know, all those all those things that you see in magazines that you're like, I want to look like that. Um, I still just wasn't 100% happy with the image that I was seeing in the in the mirror mm-hmm. or how I was looking in my bathing suit. You know, it was in, instead of my bathing suit looking good and having some curves, it was like, okay, m- my butt is like a pancake. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I need to... I need to get some glutes. Like, what do I need to do? So I recognized that there was a huge component missing from um, from my exercise. And actually, you know, after doing a lot of running and races, and eventually I, I kind of came around to the idea, like, I want to try this CrossFit. I, I know I need to start um, developing some strength. And, um, yeah, and you know, I just never looked back once I joined my local box. Anytime I see somebody running down the sidewalk and they just look miserable, yeah. I just want to go out and be like, there's, there's a, better a better way. way. If you love I saw running, someone this morning yeah. that looked miserable. Like, yeah. If you love running, then more power to you. But if I think so many people are just doing it because exactly what you said, like that's the only tool kind of in their tool belt. And they're like, well, I guess this is just all there is. I guess I just have to go out and sign up for another 10K. So you know what I, I wonder still? I wonder if people still think that running is the uh, most efficient way to burn calories. And I'm saying this with like a huge shit eating grin on my face of like, it's, I, I, but that's like, that's what it used to be sold as is like running is the most, you know, you can burn the most amount of calories yeah, doing I running. Have you ever spent two minutes on the assault bike? But yeah, but like some, I'm right. going to murder this quote, but I heard this research, but I read or heard recently that they were like, if you, if the whole calories in calorie out thing was really, a thing or if like the burning of the calories when you're running like you could essentially run for 24 hours in a day and you'd be like dead you know it's like if you think about that you know what i mean right yeah if it was just your your body would just the calories would just shrivel up and you'd be gone like just be gone (laughs) right it's not how anyway (laughs) and no because i I see people running all the time and you're a they do look miss they not only look miserable they don't look fit or healthy you know the the runners that look fit or healthy are the are the ones that are doing distances more associated with you know CrossFit style training that yeah. you know glycolytic pathway. But those those athletes are or I shouldn't say athletes, but those runners that are out there just pounding the pavement. A, they're doing it wrong. If you watch them, you know if you learn a little bit about running from CrossFit, you just see them smashing their heels over yeah. and over again. And yeah, they just I think I think just like that low fat phrase somewhere in the 60s or 70s running just was the thing to do it was like the the way to train and i think just like our brains that whisper will always be there for some reason that just isn't going to completely disappear i think as well part of it is that it's just it's something that's very accessible to everyone totally. I agree with that. yeah all you need is a pair of shoes and a sidewalk or yeah so is your so is your local box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I will say as someone who has been a runner in her lifetime is I, I love the feeling of just going outside. It's a nice thing to do outside. I don't I don't play sports. I'm the most uncoordinated person in the world. So like group sports, 
like scare the crap out of me. So to get outside <laughs> and to do something outside is like gardening or running, you know, or walking. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I love being outside and I hate running. There's so. <laughs> better. Do burpees outside too. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Or mile? just do your workout and then go outside. A burpee mile. That's a great idea. Oh no, thank you on the burpee mile. I did that. I did a burpee mile once. <laughs> we are doing. We're hosting like a um a kind of adult, adult camp summer camp yeah weekend. summer camp over Labor Day weekend next or this coming summer and one of the optional uh, activities is a burpee mile and I'm like yeah no I think I'm good I think <laughs> it was like two hours and 12 minutes oh my gosh and it just the, the, honestly the worst part of it are your hands oh so are God. you just Stop. you're just doing a burpee a, a burpee broad jump oh. yeah, it was it was maybe three or four years ago a member it was Dave who came to our wedding oh yeah um it, we just got talking about it and he crazy like English guy and he was like let's do it so we went to a track one Sunday and yeah it was oh a burpee and he did it on a track Ugh. it was actually my hands I had to put gloves on and your toes because uh, every time you jump your feet hit the, sh- the top of your shoes oh yeah my gosh. that sounds miserable so, it absolutely, was absolutely it was not. miserable but I'm glad I did it once <laughs> I did a I ran a I think we called it a dirty mile once where it was like you were running a mile and every two minutes you had to stop and do five burpees or something. <laughs> Not quite the same. Not quite the same. I still took, I still hated it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. So, um, I want to dig a little bit into the flexible diet dieting stuff because I don't know, Roz, have you listened to our episodes where we like went through that whole journey? I think I caught um, okay. a I just piece of conversation about don't... about you talking about macros. No time. pressure. Why can't, I, why can't I have listened to it? Oh, Jason. <laughs> I just always assume the dudes are like, well, I it's don't want to. It's a guilty pleasure. No, you know what is actually interesting about your podcast? And, and I, you know, obviously got turned on to it when we all got introduced is you can really learn a lot about the female psyche listening to you do. It's very true. So it's, it's I... I would say if you're a guy listening. You, you, you have the inside you know, edge. You already know that, yeah, but pass it on to your other guy friends. If, if they're having women problems, this is a good <laughs> podcast. We Thank you. Say. That's a great <laughs> endorsement. Uh, for all the clueless men in your life, just send them <laughs> over our way. We will educate them. Uh, well, so we both did macro counting um, a couple years ago. A couple years ago, yeah. starting about three years ago now, and maybe not quite two and a half years ago. And I... I stuck with it for maybe about a year, year and a half. And I had, I started when I was about six weeks postpartum and was going through some severe postpartum depression. And so for me, it was a completely different experience. And also, we also always talk about this, Joy and I have very different body types. Joy is like a lot taller, more broad shoulders, much more athletic. I'm pretty petite. I don't have a muscular body type. I like, you know, when people, when when women say like, oh, I don't want to do CrossFit because I don't want to get bulky. I'm like, I would pay to be bulky. (laughs) It's just not in the genetic cards for me. But so our experiences were pretty different. For me, it was a little bit more of just like an outlet and some organization that I needed in my life at that time. But for Joy, it kind of took on a life of its own. And we've talked about this quite a lot on the podcast. We don't go too much into it, but it really became... It got we, to an unhealthy point. We, yeah, we got, we realized, and this, the reason I bring this up, I want to talk about it a little bit because I want to know how you handle this because um, I tend to have a knee jerk reaction just about the diet culture that has kind of cropped up with a vengeance on social media, especially over the past five years, I would say. Um, so I, I think 
kind of looping back to Jason to, you know, you having a background in psychology and especially understanding people on that level is that, um, especially for women, it's like, you don't know what you're getting into until you're almost like too far into it. (laughs) And you're like, oh shit, this kind of turned into a quasi eating disorder. (laughs) So how the hell do I manage this? Full on, some, you know, maybe it's even turned into a full on eating disorder. And now you're because I cannot help but think of back when um, one of my dear friends is a she works at Eating Recovery Center of Denver, and her and uh, a dietitian were on our show three or four years ago, and I will never forget one of um, one of them saying, you know, eating disorders really always start with a diet. Like I'm going to do this 30 day challenge, or I'm going to do this diet, and then the next thing you know, it's like you kind of get into this deep dark hole. And I think that's where it's important for people to realize, like, how do you, my question for you, Roz and Jay, is like, how do you coach people to do this in a way that is not going to lead down that? And, or, you know, how do you take care of people to make sure that if it does, you're kind of reeling them back being like, all right, let's just chill out. We're just doing stuff to make us healthy. So how do you walk that line? And it's, it's tough. It truly is tough. And speaking from a personal point on that, I've never had that trouble with tracking my food, I think only because I was in such a bad place with food that this was like a light at the end of the tunnel. To me, I look at it where it's, I can, so long as I keep track of my food, I can eat foods I enjoy and not feel guilty, I'll do whatever it takes. But I agree and I've worked with plenty of people that have had that issue and you know, in, in your situation without knowing much more, I probably would have said, hey, take a couple of days off of tracking. You know, make sure we don't get to that point. But yeah, and I want to stop you really quick, too. And I like what you just said about like how it really helps you, because I think one of the bigger critics, uh, criticisms that I get when I start talking about my experiences, people are like, this really helped me stop bashing macro counting. And I'm like, yeah, that's great if it helped you. But I also feel like I'm speaking for a lot of women who went down the rabbit hole and were like counting lemons in their water. Um, and it's like for crime any sake, like that's no way to live, you know? So, um, it doesn't have to be black or white one way or the other, but I do want, I do think that people, um, it can be super beneficial. It can be, yeah, yeah, it can be super beneficial, but I think when people are freaking out, stressing at night over counting their lemons, I think we have to have a conversation. Yeah. And I think what we really try to do is promote a sustainable life and, Roz and I are rarely perfect. You know, we don't. We certainly don't track our lemon in our water. <laughs> I know people that. No, I know people that'll track their gum. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that's a carb. I'm like, you know, a lot of the times you're trying to be so strict, you're also making a lot of assumptions that every food you're eating is 100% what the label suggests it is, which is rarely the case. So we we use the term flexible, not just with flexible eating, but just with the way we approach it and you know we we go out to eat and we look at food and we're like hey that looks like about four ounces and we do our best to track it but we also Roz came up with the expression always be tracking and that just simply means there are days and times and events in your life that shouldn't be missed or ruined by food and if you want to have a slice of cake at a wedding don't turn it down just throw it in your app if you if you desire as something so you have an idea of what you ate and enjoy yourself and if you're not enjoying yourself you're not going to stick to any diet and and just to kind of tack tack on like my experience with flexible eating you know originally i 
did find it really challenging because I was super uh, regimented and strict about it. Um, but I was trying to travel at the time and, and I was like, I just can't do this and feel this way about it. Like I can't be so black and white about it. And so I was eating out at a cafe and I was trying to track something and I was just kind of ready to throw in the towel. And I was like, you know what? I, I need to just actually change my mindset about this. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is by proving to myself that I can track when I'm eating out and I can be okay with it not being a hundred percent perfect. And I can not, not let that ruin my, um, you know, ruin the rest of my day and, and, and throw in the towel. I can just be okay, you know, except it's not a hundred percent accurate. It's cool. I still track something and I'll move on and I'll track the next day. And slowly but surely, you know, I happened to be doing this whilst I was traveling. So I was eating at least one meal out a day or something out every day because I'm a big foodie and I can't say no. <laughs> so, um, but I kept doing this and, and just kept tracking no matter what. And I was continuing to make progress. I was, because I was holding myself accountable and because I was still trying to be um, diligent to a certain extent with, with my numbers. So I think, I think we're careful to to really kind of emphasize with people that this has to be sustainable and something that you can't lose your mind over. You know, if this is something that stops you from going over to your mom's house for dinner, then we need to have a chat and, and you know, we really need to, to work something out because this is not going to be healthy for you long term. Well, I think with anything that we do, it's not food is not the problem. It's the relationship we have with the process and it's the relationship we have with food. So I feel like, you know, for as much as I've kind of bashed a lot of the diet culture, even just being too obsessed with diets and aesthetic, I think there is, I have to remind myself often that people are in such different places in um, just their health and wellness. And, And for me, one of the huge benefits of uh, doing macro counting was just learning about food. I felt like that was a uh, was a big takeaway. It was a big positive. I didn't really ever, ever, I never had to pay attention to what I eat. Um, I don't really have to now, but it's just that taught me a lot about food and educating about food and I respected food. And by that, I just mean I wasn't afraid to kind of, I used to be afraid to learn what was in food because I was like, I just don't want to know. I just don't want to know. Like, don't tell me. And now I'm like, oh, that's kind of, you know, it's good to know that this has this in it. So I, I, I know how that makes me feel. And I'll either eat it or I won't. So kind of getting to that neutral place is really important. But I think that um, the relationship is kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, and I think most people that we wind up working with are finding us because they're trying to make some sort of change in their life. You know, be that lose 100 pounds or take their CrossFit to the next level. And in order to make that change, you need to make a change. So while we certainly don't want people to go so far off the deep end, we do need them to understand like this is not easy. Like this will be a challenge. We need to make some concessions and, you know, learn how to track food, but we also need to figure out a way that while making these changes you still understand how it fits and where it fits into your life. So can I ask about and I'm just kind of projecting this a little bit is like when I first started macro counting, I was like, okay, I got some, like my body responded real fast. Like my body just leaned out like a mofo. And, um, I think the quote unquote fear was like, well, if I, if I stop doing this, I'm going to just ruin all the progress I made. 
how do you work with people too of like the people who, who probably do just have like some weight to lose i don't think i had weight to lose but how do you work with people who maybe lose like five pounds or ten pounds just keeping like realistic expectations around that yeah and like it, because i think that the mindset is well I was very strict to get to this point. Therefore, if I'm no longer strict, I'm going to lose all my progress. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think from the beginning, we we promote just that flexibility. You know, we don't try to get people to be perfect every day. So I don't know how crazy you were making yourself trying to be 100% perfect. We t- say, hey, be within a range. And if you're not in that range, that's fine. Just, you know, do your best again tomorrow. So Every day is a new day with that. You know, the, I think the truth is I'll probably be tracking for the rest of my life or at least until I can no longer use a phone and I'm in some sort of <laughs> you know, old age You're home. just eating but, pudding at that point? Yeah. I'll, I'll ask my nurse for the macros of that pudding. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think there's to, – to me, I think the value is knowing – you know, I before macros – if I ate something like uh, mac and cheese, which is my favorite, and not the good stuff, the 99-cent box of craft. It, I um, am with you. There's, it, a, there's it, a pizza place that sells mac and cheese pizza with, like, craft mac and cheese on top. It's like crack. Oh, mm-hmm. it's – I've a really quick side story. We were – were you guys at the games this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, are, did you go to Ian's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm talking about. about. <laughs> yeah. So – Oh, my gosh. We um, – <laughs> We're gonna have to meet you there this yeah. year. <laughs> the, the, you know, Sunday night I had just judged the final heat with Kara Webb. Like I'm in the movie, you know, judging her last set of lunges. That's amazing. And, yeah. And, How and, was you know, that, by the way? Is that like super pressure? That particular heat was very stressful. I mean, the rest of the the rest of the event judging is kind of judging, but knowing that the the games the, was like standing, <laughs> yeah depended on you yeah i didn't I, I didn't really know the standings too well going out like you're so busy judging all weekend that you don't pay attention and as we were lining up for the final heat i'm like oh i guess i have kara webb and my buddy next to me who wound up judging tia was like do you know how close it is and i was like no what do you mean he's like whoever wins this wins obviously he was a little wrong but the point was i was like oh my all of a sudden panic just like no pressure over. yeah <laughs> Anyway, so you were done judging. <laughs> Claire really so, wants you to talk about the mac and cheese. Sorry about the mac and cheese pizza. No, so we, you know, we wrap up for the day, go back to the hotel. Roz meets me, and we go to Ian's, and I got four slices of pizza. And if you remember, I mean, and I got they the mac huge. and cheese. <laughs> They're huge. I forget. Yeah, yeah, huge slices. I think we got one by accident. And he was oh like, yeah, oh, I three. And, anyway. <laughs> and I was like, I'll eat. I'm not going to turn down that food. So anyway, I finished the four slices. And I was okay, okay. And then like an hour later, it just hits you. You're like, I am so full. And I couldn't sleep. Like I was up all night. And I was like, Roz, do not let me do that again. Like I cannot do that again. So we drive. We went to Milwaukee from Madison. Mm-hmm. We were on our road trip giving nutrition seminars. And we had a bunch lined up in Milwaukee. And there was an Ian's in Milwaukee. And, and I, it was like across the road from the Whole Foods. Yeah, I was like, that's good. We had to put in the GPS yeah. to go to because we were like, we really just need to eat some good, wholesome food tonight. We, we, we turn up at the Whole Foods, park the car, and I look across the street, and there's Ian's. We're like, uh. <laughs> I got this. 
And I got the same four slices. And did it again. <laughs> they actually, they have an Ian's now in Denver. So my husband is from Madison. He was born and raised in Madison. And so the first time I ever had the mac and cheese pizza, I was at his, after his sister's wedding. And we were like all a little bit drunk. And it was just the best thing I'd ever eaten in that moment. <laughs> and it still is amazing, but it was really, really great under those circumstances. But they opened one in downtown Denver. And one day he and I were driving through downtown Denver and I saw it and we like flipped a U-turn and went in there and we were, we probably scared that poor cashier because we were like, we're so excited. This is open. We just kept saying, we're so excited. This is here. And he was like, okay. (laughs) Now mac and cheese pizza whenever I want it. So, so let me tie that back to this question. (laughs) You know, the the question about tracking and all that before tracking, I would have either not ate that pizza or felt tremendous guilt for days. And now I look at it where it's like, okay, I ate this pizza. I'm going to put it in my fitness pal as a slice of pizza and some mac and cheese, understand what that represents to my day's numbers and move on. And to me, that that's worth it, you know, to like letting go. I get what you're saying. Detaching from that emotional roller coaster of like guilt. It's that cycle. It's kind of the binge cycle. Because it's 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 quantifiable. You yeah, know, it's very similar to CrossFit. It's just, hey, this these are your numbers. You know, Roz and I really preach and promote eating good quality foods, but we also promote you know enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. And at least now I can enjoy myself, not feel guilty about it, but know that I didn't derail progress. Right. Like it's just a fact. This is what I ate. These are the numbers. This is the fact. Just move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I. Sure, those four slices of pizza did not fit within my numbers. I mean, but I also let's call it what it is. A, it was eight slices of pizza. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and we do our best. I I did track it. I don't remember exactly what I tracked it as. We're we're pretty honest with ourselves. If it looks like a big slice, we will track it as more than one slice. But we always try to put it in as something just to get an idea of where we are. And and we use that for information as well. You know, if I eat all that pizza and the next day PR my fran time or my back squat then there's your magic solution yeah now i need to eat pizza every night (laughs) perfect um do you uh one last question then we got to wrap up do you when people are coming to you because i don't i always want to be very clear like i'm not shunning all diet culture i just want people to be very careful it's like when they're coming to you um if they're doing it from a place of like lack or self-hatred i do you try to coach them along like, hey, this is just lifelong. We're just trying to get a few steps every single day to be a little bit better. Because obviously I care about health and wellness. Like I eat very well. But the mindset I think is what's so important. People really miss that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, that's part of what we're trying to help people with more now. And, you know, we recently um, launched our lifestyle program, which really gives people a lot more accountability and and more coaching you know we're we're trying to give people access to that extra piece of the mindset and you know as a way for us to keep tabs and and make sure that people are moving in the right direction in a in a healthy way too um so that's you know that's definitely an an element that we're we're really cognizant of of working on with people and you know there are definitely people who come to us where we're like okay we know we need to kind of keep an eye on things and and maybe you know offer them or, or suggest to them or recommend that they have a, a monthly phone call with us that kind of thing just to 
make sure that there's definitely, you know, the, the right communication is there and the right support is there. And, you know, I had a, a phone call with someone this morning and he just started with us and he's like, I love what you guys do, but I cannot have sugar. You know, he's like, it's a drug to me. And I said, I understand that and we will treat that with respect, but I need you to get to the point where you can because we both know you're going to again. You know, so until we get a grasp on that, we need we need to, to help you understand where that issue is coming from and how to gain control of it. You know, it's sugar will be in front of you, whether at work, at a social situation, or just in your pantry. And we need to help you, you know, and, until you gain control of that, it will always control you. And that's like the thing that about food and, and food, you know, food addictions or, you know, any sort of eating disorder. It's like if you're an alcoholic or you're addicted to Coke or something, like you can cut it out of your life. You need food to live. Yeah, you know, we, we I use that example for him. And he's like, because he, that's what he said. He's like, well, what about alcoholics? And I'm like, well, I think everyone would agree, you know, alcohol or drugs, you know, either in excess or in general are unhealthy for you. The problem with food is like you just said, you need it. And it's around like, no one's showing up at work throwing bags of cocaine around and being like, hey, guys, I brought cocaine in for the day. Yeah, it's my, it's my boss's birthday. I brought in a bag of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, first Wednesday of the month. You guys all know we do cocaine. Cocaine um, Wednesdays, hashtag cocaine Wednesdays. <laughs> you know, but someone will bring cupcakes in. Yeah, totally. You know, so, and you know, because I, I, I do believe there are, there's food addiction out there. I think, you know, a lot of people may think they have it, when it's just like, no, you, we have some issues with food and we need to improve our relationship. But I think we can do that. It just will take time. Are you guys going to the games this year? hope so. I plan on it. I mean, hopefully we'll be judging again. Um, team judgment. So team judgment. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we'll start practicing our double undercount any day now. <laughs> did, you, did you not get to practice it in 18.3? Right. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Like, we were with Boz and when we're behind the scenes, like before the double under events, we're literally, imagine you have one palm facing the air and you have two fingers of your other hand and you're showing someone what double unders would look like and we're practicing like, nope, that was 27, that was 26. That stuff, you know, it seems crazy at the time, but it helps you learn how to count double unders. The double under part of like the judges course, every single time I'm like, have I been doing this wrong my whole life? Yeah. Like I Here's really start to doubt who I am as a person. Just just count the feet. Count yeah. the feet. But then like when the anyway, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> well no. Then then the next level is then you always have to subtract one because you've counted the feet before they finish the last double under. That's yes. that's my problem. Uh-oh, yep. That's it. Yeah. So well, there when you they go. miss, subtract one. <laughs> oh, that's so hard. It, do you feel like an insane amount of pressure the whole freaking week when you're judging? Because I would just or do like, you get used to? It? Are you just like yeah? I'd be so scared. You know, it's like because don't the out do the athletes give you attitude? But just the women. Um, <laughs> that's for real. That's for real. Um, I've had blow ups with I would say blow ups, but I've had pushback only from women. Hmm. Um, and. It's not, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not terrible. And I've also had great experiences with them as well. But I had I had one girl on the, remember the, the 75s with the overhead squats? Vaguely. So they had to do like a rope climb and a ski erg and then as many overhead squats as they could. And they had to advance the bar every so often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she does her round 
and I had I remember to, you know I had fifty one written down, and when they finished that every three they had to advance it, but if they finished it they were allowed to advance it earlier, like in between rounds. So she finishes her fifty first and moves it to the mat that's his fifty four. So she gets there after doing the, the next round of ski erg and rope climb. She picks it up, she does one, and she starts to move it. I was like, no, 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 you got to get to fifty four on this mat. And she's like, well, I'm here. And I'm like, you're. I'm trying to explain it to her, and she's still moving while we're like fighting. And I was like, move the bar. So she throws it down after the workout, and she's still yelling at me. Like I did it. I was like, look, go back and watch the tape. And if you have a complaint, bring it. I never heard from her, so I know I was right. I was like, oh there's no reason I have this number 51 written on my scorecard. I would so be questioning but myself. <laughs> the athletes yell at you in such a way that you do second that you guessing. start to, oh, I wonder if that's a part of their plan. They're right. trying to get inside of your head. I think for some, it's certain, that's more of a guy thing. That's more of like the guys will do like weird stuff like that. The girls will just fight you. <laughs> the guys will silently manipulate you. The girls will just yell at you. Yeah, well, I watched... You know, I watched Scott Panchik do that double under thruster workout, like the repeat of the open. Yeah. Um, and when you watch these people up close, like you realize why they're so good. I mean, he was the only way to describe it as he was gone. Like he was not there anymore. Oh, he like left his body. He, he was just like floating on top yeah, of his I, body, watching himself do the open workout. If I was like, Scott, now you have to run through that brick wall, he would have been like, okay. <laughs> you know, he just Scott, he, eat this he, puppy. He, Got it. I'm, I'm there. He just looked at me before the workout and was like, tell me when to move. And that's that was it. That's insane. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's impressive. I had to judge yeah. somebody for a master's, like, you know, the master's qualifier. And I, it was like the most stressful 12 minutes of my life last year. I was like, I don't know. Did your chest test the bar? I mean, I heard it and I saw it, but I still don't know. Is that a bad? Claire's like try like splashing cold water in her face before. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather judge the games and the the people at the box because the games athletes expect the no reps. Yeah, I hate I hate no repping like your buddies at the box that are just yeah, that's the not even your buddies. Your buddies you don't mind. You're like no, that wasn't even good. your husband. <laughs> yeah, when I, and I try not to let like Roz judge me because I'll get mad at her. <laughs> versus like a stranger I you're just no like all right on one of his handstand push-ups which, which workout was that the deadlift handstand push-up. yeah, yeah. 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 I, my, my favorite quote or my favorite thing anyone's ever told us so we did we did a, like a local competition once and our judge came up and said just remember if i know rep you it's your fault it's your fault yeah <laughs> <laughs> if i know rep it's your fault well thank you guys so much this was so much fun yes well thank you and it, it was a pleasure like i said we both enjoy listening to the podcast. <laughs> well, that makes me happy. I'm and glad I'm glad to know that learning. you are endorsing it as <laughs> the guide to learn how to deal with women. Because <laughs> we are the experts. <laughs> it's just, you know, an, an opportunity to listen to two women educate you on relationships with women while discussing you know, fitness and health. Yeah. Well, thank you for Everybody the support. Wins. And thank you for all you guys do too. You have such positive attitudes. And I think what you're doing is phenomenal for not just the CrossFit community, but for women and um, to lead healthier lives, but to do it in a way that is wholesome and holistic. So thank you guys for the impact that you have. Well, thanks. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Thank so you. where can folks find you? Yeah. Oh, on uh, com. And then Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All of that. Uh, Jay's all over the social Yeah, everything media is stuff. basically just the owner eating handle. And 
all the links are on the site, like Roz said. Um, www. I think we have to say www now with our new site. It's like oh. we don't type it. So yeah, oh. but allyoueating.com. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night. Go get some sleep. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye.